Well, good morning, Flagstone family. Good morning, guests. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we've been talking over the last few weeks about, about being unbalanced, about looking at different parts of our lives that, that just might be off kilter, that might be uh, throwing us off in some way. And we talked about uh, balancing, just finding balance in the first place. And how do we find that? And how do we take a look at all the different areas of our lives that we're trying to keep up with and trying to keep on track and trying to do smoothly and, and finding ourselves leaning too far one way, leaning too far the other way, overcompensating and trying to fix it. And we exhaust ourselves. We get worn out trying to find balance and, and working on doing a better job of finding the, the kind of balance that God wants us to have in our lives. We talked about balancing our bank accounts, looking at where we spend our finances and how much we spend on those things and, and having a, a better perspective on the things that we have and the things that we want and the money that we have and really finding God's uh, plan for those things. We talked last week about balancing our time and recognizing there's all sorts of different things that we can spend our time doing. And none of those are necessarily bad. I mean, some of them might be. We need to probably avoid those things. But even the good stuff, we can get just feeling like way off of balance because we're spending so much time doing this thing over here and something else over here is starving for our focus and starving for our attention. And we're just, we're not getting it because we're too unbalanced. So we're going to talk about this one more time this morning, about finding balance in our lives, about, about th things that may be off center a little bit, that may be uh, not exactly, well, I mean, lopsided in, in how we are living our lives and the way that we're, that we're doing things. Um, and this morning, I want us to focus on balancing two wills, Finding balance between two wills. I have my will. I have my plans. I have my agenda. I have things that, that, that I plan to do. I have a direction that I want my life to go. And I may have goals that I've set for myself. And that's, that's my will. That's my direction. That's my purpose. That's how I want to go. And then there's God's will. There's the direction that he wants me to go. There's the, there's the direction, the, the goals that he has for my life. And sometimes those things are exactly aligned. And sometimes he's got a direction he wants me to go. And I've got a direction that I want to go. And those things aren't necessarily the exact same. How do I find balance? How do I balance those things out? When I, when I see and I sense the direction that God is calling me, and when I have, have my own direction, my own purpose, how can I find balance? And hopefully we'll, we'll get a, a little bit clearer picture of that this morning, what it is that God uh, wants from us. But I wanted to start out this morning understanding what it is that we're talking about when we talk about my will, God's will. I mean, we talk about finding God's will. We, we, uh, there's scriptures about it. We probably sing songs about it. It's, it's kind of a churchy concept. And if you Maybe you've gone to church all your life and you've heard that term, we should follow God's will. We should find God's will and follow it. And that sounds good. And you never had a clue as to what that actually meant. And maybe you haven't been to church in a while. Maybe this is one of your first times ever in church. And so when we say you need to find God's will, what in the world is that? I don't even know what that means. So let's be clear what we're talking about this morning. Let's be clear what it, what, what it is that we're looking at when we talk about I have my will and I have God's will and, and how, we, how we work on those two things uh, together in our own lives. When you talk about a will, they're not talking about a legal document that you know people are going to carry out once you're not here anymore. Uh, we're talking about 
I mean, I guess it could have connection with that, but, but we're talking about my plan, my purpose, my, and, and, and the goals that I have and, and my direction. Not just the goals and the direction itself, but the desire that I have to accomplish those things. So I have a direction I want to go. I have goals I want to accomplish. I have a path for my life. Does that make sense? And it's not just the path itself. It's the drive that I have to accomplish those things. That's, that's what my will is. So when we talk about either my will, we talk about God's will. I mean, we're, when we're using this term God's will, God, I believe, has a direction and a purpose and a path for my life and is very desirous, is passionate about me going down that path and achieving those things and, and, and embracing those things that he has planned for me to embrace in my life. Does that make sense? That's what we're talking about when we talk about God's will. And even as we talk about God's will, there's, there's kind of a couple ways to look at this because I think that God has an overall will for all of humankind. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter one, the very first chapter of the, uh, of the Bible, you find that, that God says, or scripture says that God created all of us in his image. That we are designed from the very beginning to look like and act like and be like God on this earth. We are to reflect him in everything we do. That's his will for us. It's to be like him in this life. To say what he would say. To treat people the way that he would treat them. To love people the way that he would love them. That's our, that's our purpose. That's God's will for us. God, God uh, has a will that all humankind would find him. Recognizing that we all sin, we all, sh we all fall short. He has designed us to look like him, to be like him. And there are times in our lives, maybe multiple times in our lives, maybe thousands of times in our lives that we don't fit that image. That we do something that is completely ungodly and completely uh, uh, opposite of what he wants for us to be doing. That's called sin. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But 1 Timothy chapter 2 Paul shares with us in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that God's plan, God's purpose is that everybody, all humankind, all men, all women, all over the world would come to know him, would embrace the grace that he offers to all of us freely, would choose salvation, would choose to make him the Lord of their lives, would choose to be saved by the blood of his son, Jesus. That's his will. That's his desire for all of us. Paul also says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that God wants all of us to do good stuff. His plan, his purpose for us, no matter where we live, no matter what our gender, no matter what our skin color, no matter what our jobs, it doesn't matter. God designed us not only to look like him and to be saved by him, but to do the things that he would do, that he has already empowered us to do. He's given us gifts, he's given us abilities, and his will is for us to use those gifts and those abilities to bless other people. And I share that with you because that's God's will for all of us. That's God's plan, that's God's desire, that's what God really wants for every single one of us. Now, I also believe that in the process of shaping us into who he wills us to be, that God also 
has a will and a purpose for each one of us as individuals. And maybe, maybe his will and his purpose is for us to live in a certain place or to have a certain job or to, or to uh, uh, have certain friendships, to be volunteering in, in our community or even in this, in this church family, to have opportunities to share our faith, to share what we believe about him with somebody else, that God has a plan and a purpose for, us to, for each of us specifically, individually, to use the gifts that he's given us for that specific opportunity. That sometimes God puts us in a coffee shop, in a cubicle next to somebody for the express purpose of either sharing our faith with them or meeting the need of theirs. That's his will. That's his purpose. It may not be mine. I may be completely comfortable sitting in my bubble and, and paying attention to my own little world and not getting out of my comfort zone. And God may have a completely different purpose for me in that moment. The question becomes, how do I, well, first of all, how do I find out what his will is? If I'm looking at my own life, again, there's things that God wants for all of us in general, but specifically for me, if I believe that God has a specific design, a specific purpose for my life, that he puts me in certain places or puts certain people around me for a specific reason, how do I recognize that? How do I know what his will is? If I want to balance my will with his, I need to know what his, what, what is it? How, how do I find it? How do I recognize it? I want to share with you some ways to recognize what God's will is. And I, I've honestly shared some of these things with this church family before. So some of this, some of you may go, well, you talked about that before. Good. I'm glad you remember. We're going to go through it again. Because I think it's important for us to recognize how God is moving and how to find how God is moving in our lives. One way that we find God's will is, is to spend time in his word. God's word reveals God's will to all of us, but also, I believe, to us specifically. David writes in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word, talking to God, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. This word comes from God and gives us direction, gives us a path to walk down. It it lights things up. It illuminates the path for us. It shows us the direction that we need to go. The more time that I spend in this, the more I see what God is calling me to do. And sometimes the reason that I can't figure out God's will is because I don't, I don't even recognize what his will is. I haven't spent any time in his word. I haven't allowed him to be talking to me through his word. The more, I, the more time I spend in his word, the more I see the direction that he's calling me to. Another way that I find God's will is through the Holy Spirit. We don't have a whole lot of time to go through this this morning. But I believe that all of us who have, who have uh, put our faith in Jesus Christ, who have, who have uh, committed to allowing him into our hearts to be the Lord of our lives, who have confessed his name and said, I don't want to follow anybody else but him, who have repented of our sins, who have been baptized in the name of Jesus, been covered in his blood and come up to live a new life. I believe that all of us who have gone through that process and accepted that grace are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what scripture teaches. That when, when I give my life to Jesus Christ and I'm covered in his blood, the spirit fills me up. It lives within me. I still have the choice whether I want to follow the Spirit's direction or not, but the Spirit is there. 
And here's what Jesus told his disciples about the Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 15, it says, The Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. If I'm, ha- if I'm a child of God and I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, then that Spirit also, I believe, has the power to reveal to me what God's will is for me. Maybe it's something that I sense. Maybe it's something that I see. Maybe it's what, uh, a, a, way, a perspective or an understanding of, of, the, of the situation that I'm in. But I recognize there's something. I mean, some people want to just call it a, 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 a gut instinct. I know this is God speaking to me. I may not hear an audible voice, but I know this is his spirit talking to me and saying, this is the direction that you need to go. This is the thing that you need to be doing. And the more that I am in tune with his spirit, the more I recognize God's will from my life. I find God's will sometimes in just understanding the circumstances that he puts me in. Just recognizing what's happening in my life right now and seeing those circumstances. Scotty, go on to our next slide. Circumstances. There's a story in, in uh, one of the earlier books of the Bible, uh, the book of Numbers, a story about a guy named Balaam. And Balaam was invited by some guys to do something that God didn't want him to do, but he really wanted to. It was going to bring him money. It was going to bring him popularity, and he really wanted to do it. And, and he starts on this journey uh, to go do what it was a guy didn't want him to do. And he's riding on his donkey and three different times, his donkey uh, veers off the path that Balaam was going down. I gotta go down this road to get to where it is that I'm gonna get to. And the, the donkey one time runs into a wall, one time wanders into a field, and the third time just sits down, I ain't going anymore. Just lays down, I guess Balaam's just straddling a donkey because it doesn't move anymore. And, and Balaam uh, starts beating this, this donkey uh, with a stick. Why have you done this? Why, why have you gone in the wrong direction? What Balaam didn't see was that every time the donkey was going in different directions because there was an angel of the Lord standing in the road. But Balaam, Balaam didn't interpret his circumstances that way. Balaam just looked at this as, man, this donkey is causing me all kinds of hassle. This donkey's a problem. The donkey was trying to show you something, Balaam. You're supposed to understand from the circumstances that you're dealing with, this may not be the path that you want to go down. As a matter of fact, the angel of the Lord speaks to Balaam in Numbers chapter 22 and says, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one. Your will, Balaam, is not God's will. And God is allowing circumstances that you are in, Balaam, to try to get you off the path that you're on because it's not the right path. Sometimes we need to look around and look at our circumstances and recognize, what is, why didn't I get that job that I wanted? Why did this friendship come to an end? Why is this opportunity to volunteer put right in front of me? I can look at all these different circumstances maybe happening in my life, and instead of going, huh, that's odd, what a coincidence, I might need to recognize, huh, that's God's presence. That's God moving in my life and saying, the path you're on is not the path that I want you on. 
My will is for you to go this direction. I need to pay attention to my circumstances. Sometimes God puts just other people in my life to help me find his will. Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That when I have certain people in my, in my life who, who uh, share with me and I share with them, we sharpen each other. We make each other better. We make each other more useful. That there are certain people in our lives, that, or, or at least we should have certain people in our lives that God uses to challenge us, to give us advice, to give us wisdom, sometimes to hold us accountable, sometimes to be really blunt and go, hey, don't go down that path. God uses those people at certain times to reveal his will to us through them. We need to pay attention to God's will. We need to pay attention to where we can find it. When we're spending time in his word, when we're recognizing how the spirit is moving in our lives, when we look at the circumstances that we're dealing with, when we talk with other people who make us better people, we start to see and to recognize what God's, what God's will is for our lives, what his purpose is. Now, we come back to the question again. Okay, so if I recognize that God does have a will and I recognize kind of where to find it, how do I balance, how do I balance my will, my path, my direction with his? I mean, I've got goals, I've got plans, I've got, I've got a vision for my future. How do, I, how do I align that with his? How do I balance that out? And I believe a lot of us get frustrated. A lot of us get worn out in our faith. Because we're constantly, we're constantly trying to pull down our path. We were constantly trying to go our own direction. And God is saying, if, just go this way. Things will be better. I'm leading you to something better. I'm leading you in a way that you will make somebody else's life better. Come this way. And we are just exhausting ourselves, being unbalanced, trying to go this direction. Here's what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter three, when it comes to finding balance between my will and God's will. Proverbs chapter three, beginning in verse five, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? Let's, let's, let's all, y'all did good, but not everybody did. Let's say that louder. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? Oh. Not just part of it. We get unbalanced sometimes between our path and God's path because we're only trusting in part of the way. God, I'll trust you with this part of my life. Be that my job, my friendships, my Whatever. I'll trust you to give me direction, but I want to hold on to this over here. This relationship, this person, this comfort zone, whatever it is, I want to hold on to this. I'll, I'll follow you partway. I'll give you part of my heart, but part of my heart still belongs over here. God is mine. Solomon said, you want to, you want to figure out not only what God's will is, but how to follow it? Quit trusting in your own thoughts, your own desires, your own will, trust in his completely. 
trusting him with all your heart. In all your ways, submit to him. Give him all your goals, all your agendas, all your purposes, all your plans. Give that to him. Submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. I may have a plan and a direction for my life, and Solomon says, that's not necessarily what you need to trust. So here's the key thing that I want us to understand this morning. If you tuned everything else, everything else out to this point, I want you to really hear this. Because this is something that I even wrestle with myself and kind of coming up with what I want to share with you today. But I've kind of decided I don't think that I'm called to find balance between my will and God's will. I don't think that I'm called to find balance between my goals and my visions and God's goals and his visions. I don't think I've been called to find balance between my plans for my life and God's plans for my life. Here's what I think. I think that I'm called to surrender my will to God's will. And there's a big difference. But this is what Solomon talks about here. Submit all your ways to him and he'll make your path straight. I'm not called to balance that. I'm not called to say, okay, um, this, is, this, is my, this is my church life and then this is the rest of my life and I'm gonna try to balance those two things evenly. God says, no, just give me that. Surrender everything to me. Surrender your church life. Surrender your faith. Surrender your finances. Surrender your marriage. Surrender to your connection to your kids. Surrender your friendships. Surrender your free time. Surrender those things to me. Let me call the shots on those things and see what happens. All my goals, all my agendas, my will, I need to surrender those things to God and quit trying to balance them. Quit trying to do both. And I believe that that's actually, that, that's how we actually find balance when we're talking about our future plans. It's to quit trying to mesh both of those things together and just say, Here, God, just you call it. Lead me where you want me to go. What do you want to do with me? Now, that sounds awesome. How do I do that? Give you some quick action steps real quick. First, the, the part of this process of surrendering my will to God is I got to surrender. I got to honestly surrender my plans. And I'm not talking about surrendering my plans for what I'm going to do for lunch today after worship is over. Some of us may be in the parking lot for a long time before waiting for God to reveal that to us. And I'm not talking about deciding what outfit that, that, that I'm going to wear for whatever Labor Day uh, barbecue that I'm going to tomorrow. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about our plans. We're talking about, talking about the plans and the decisions that affect my life, my future, my relationships, my faith. Do I need to stay in this job? Do I need to switch? Do I need to stay here in this, in this neighborhood, in this community? Do I need to move somewhere? Be somewhere different? Do I, do I need to keep dating this person or is this relationship leading me in a direction God doesn't want me to go? Do I need to keep up with the same old habits or do, do I need to, to do something different in my marriage relationship? God's put this opportunity for me to volunteer for this, 
for this nonprofit organization. I would do good at that. Should I do that? Or should I kind of stay in my own comfort zone and figure, well, they'll find somebody. God's given me the opportunity. I see the announcements in the bulletin. I hear him talking about opportunities to volunteer for different things here at Flagstone. Should I do that? That's going to interrupt my time doing other stuff. That's something I've never tried before. That's a path I've not gone down. It's not wrong. It's not wrong, folks, for me to have a plan in mind for my future. But I need to be willing to surrender those plans to God if he's ever leading me in a different direction. It's not wrong for me to have goals for my life. It's not wrong for me to have plans to say, this is what I want to accomplish. It's not wrong for me to move in that direction. But at any point, if I recognize, man, God, it's, it's his spirit. It's the people he's put in my life. It's my circumstances, whatever it is that's calling me somewhere different. I need to, I need to be done with my plans and surrender completely to his. And sometimes my plans line right up with his. And sometimes he's got a completely different direction to go. But here's what he says about himself to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55. In verse 8, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. God thinks differently than I do. God sees things differently than I do. God has plans for me in my life I may not even be aware of, may have never even thought of before. But I need to be ready to surrender my plans to him. I need to surrender my vision to him as well. I need to pay attention to how I view other people and how I view opportunities to serve and how I view opportunities to connect with people in my life. My tendency may be to look at someone who has a need or to to look at someone who needs a friendship or a connection and see that as a hassle, as someone to honestly avoid and hope somebody else figures out how to help them. My tendency might be to, to see opportunities to volunteer and to help and to, and to, and to uh, make a difference in this church, in this community, and, and to see that as like, boy, that's, that's gonna require some time. And I got a lot on my plate right now. My tendency may be to view the circumstances that I'm going through, things didn't work out the way I wanted them to. Things didn't work out the way that I prayed for. And if you all that is negative and all that is, God, what are you doing? And why didn't you answer my prayer? Why is this happening to me? And instead of seeing people who need my help as a hassle, see them as an opportunity, as someone who needs to experience God's love and grace through me. Instead of seeing things, opportunities for me to volunteer and to help as, as constraints in my time, see them as opportunities to show the, God's love to other people and to use the gifts that he's empowered me to use already to bring glory to him and bring people closer to him. To look at the things that maybe aren't going as well as I wanted to, that aren't necessarily fitting into my plans, and to say, man, I, I can't see the good in this, but I know he can. And so I'm going to go whatever direction I see it is that he's leading me. I need to change my vision, how I view things, my perspective on things. Jesus has, he's always had this problem with his disciples. His disciples in the book of Matthew uh, were doing good things. Jesus was doing good things. He'd been preaching, performing miracles. His disciples had too. And they were just exhausted. They were tired. 
And they try to get away from all these crowds of people that were following them around. And they get on a boat and try to sail away from these people. And when they pull up on shore, guess what they see? More people. And if you read through the story that we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 9, the disciples are going, man, Jesus, do something about this crowd. We're tired. We're frustrated. These people are a hassle. They always want to be healed of something. Look at how it describes Jesus' perspective on these folks. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' disciples saw a hassle. Jesus saw an opportunity. Jesus saw an opportunity to serve and to love and to, and to, to bless the people that were waiting for someone to do that for them. My vision, my perspective, when I view certain people, when I view certain situations, might be keeping me from doing the things that God is willing for me to do. The things that God has planned for me to do. My perspective may be keeping me from walking down that path. And I need to surrender my vision the way I see those opportunities. I need to surrender that to him. Ultimately, I need to surrender my heart. And one of the reasons I may be struggling with allowing God to reveal his will to me or choosing to surrender his will is because, quite honestly, something else owns my heart. I've already surrendered my will to something else besides him. And maybe it's my own selfishness, or maybe it's, maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's just the stuff that I have that, quite honestly, owns my heart, and I don't want to let go of it. And if I follow God down this path, I may not have that stuff anymore. If I follow God down this path, that may change some friendships. That may change how people see me. Mm, that's uncomfortable. My own comfort zone may own my heart. I like my complacency. I like my routine. I like everything to feel safe and feel normal. In the direction that I feel God pulling me and the opportunities he's putting in front of me are awkward and weird and uncomfortable and are going to require a lot of my time. Mm. It's a matter of ownership. Something else owns my heart instead of him. And until I'm willing to surrender my heart to him, it's going to be really hard for me to surrender my will to him. Job's friends told Job in Job 11, verses 13 and 14, surrender your heart to God, turn to him in prayer, give up your sins, even the things you do in secret. Job's friends said, man, you have got to let go of whatever it is that you're clinging to. You've got to let go of whatever it is that's clinging to you. Get rid of it. Surrender your heart to God. Whether that's your stuff, whether that's a relationship, whether it's even sin. Maybe guilt from sin, from past choices. You gotta let it go. Because the more that you let those things own your heart, the less you will allow yourself to not only see, but to follow God's will and plan for your life. If something else owns my heart, I've gotta surrender that to God. We've gotta figure out myself included, 
how to get better at surrendering our will to God's will. Um, it's ironic. My friend uh, Fred lives in the Joplin area, the Joplin, Missouri area, but they chose to worship with us today. It's, uh, maybe it's a God thing. Maybe it's coincidence. I don't know. But what I was going to do this morning was show you something that Fred gave me at camp this summer, at church camp. I was talking with him about uh, some of the ceramic stuff that my son Griffin had been doing at school. And Fred ended up bringing a whole bunch of coffee mu mugs that he had made uh, by hand. And with his, he's an a art teacher in the school system in, in uh, Carthage, Missouri. And uh, he brought a whole bunch of coffee mugs. And he's like, here, take your choice. And I took this one. And if you look at this, I mean, this is something that Fred made with his hands. And it's, uh, you can see kind of the blue on the outside. It was definitely blue on the inside. And he's, I'm assuming, he uses hands just to do all these lines and, and just make this coffee mug. Probably not with me in mind, but I took it as if he had it with me in mind. But the reason I want to share this with you this morning is at some point, sometime in the past, Fred took a lump of clay and said, I can make something out of that. I value that about Fred because I can't do that. I see a lump of clay and I can make it another lump of clay. I can roll it into snakes like Play-Doh. I can do that. I can't do this. Fred has the ability to look at something that hasn't been made into anything yet and say, I got a purpose for that. I can make something out of that. And I share that with you this morning because that's what God's wanting to do with each one of us. God looks at us and, and looks at our lives and looks at the talents and the abilities that he's given us and says, man, I can do something with that. I can shape that into something. They can't see it in themselves, but I can see it in them. Watch this. Here's the problem. Isaiah articulates it in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 9. It says, does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does a clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong. Now, as Fred was shaping this coffee mug, imagine all of a sudden he heard this lump of clay start talking and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you making me into? You're doing it wrong. This misshapen, it's not the, that's not the color I'm supposed to be. That's not the shape that I'm supposed to be. Stop it. That's just dumb, isn't it? I mean, a lump of clay doesn't talk to the one that's shaping anything, into anything. And yet, folks, I won't even put it on y'all. That's what I do to God all the time. God is shaping me into something. He is sending me down a particular path. I'm like, no, 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 God, you're doing it wrong. Here's who I want to be. Here's the direction that I want to go. And until I'm ready to completely surrender and say, God, shape me into whatever it is you want. I'm just going to keep being a lump of clay. God's ready to shape me into something amazing if I let him. But I've got to surrender my will to his. I've got to be like Isaiah says later on in the book of Isaiah. God, I'm the clay. You're the potter. I'm the work of your hand. Do what you want. So here in a second, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing a song about being refined, about being shaped by God.
And as we sing that song, I want you to be honest with yourself this morning. When we stand together, when we sing it, if you know the words, sing along. If you don't know the words, pay attention to the lyrics. But pay attention maybe to the voice of God this morning. Maybe as he speaks in your heart going, how long are you going to tell me I'm doing it wrong? I'm ready to shape you into something amazing if you'll let me. And if you'll be really honest with yourself while we're standing and singing that song this morning, and, and if you recognize, man, I have tried to go down my own path. I have tried to shape myself. I have tried to do everything on my own instead of surrendering to God. And look what's happened to my friendships. Look what's happened to my faith. Look what's happened to my marriage. Look what's happened to just how I see myself. Maybe today's the day that you decide, I'm done trying to do things by my will. I'm ready to let him shape me into whatever it is that he wants to. And in that process, if that's what you discover about yourself today, and you recognize that's going to be hard for me to do on my own, we would invite you to come forward. Just walk down here to the front and say, I'm, I, I, can't, I can't keep arguing with the potter anymore. I'm ready to let him shape me into whatever it is. And we will surround you with love and prayer and whatever help we can give to allow you to be set free to surrender your will to his and let him make into something amazing. He can see it in you even if you can't. If we can help, if we can help you put yourself in God's hands, we want to do that. So just come forward and share with us what your need is. Watch together we stand and sing.